Well, good morning, church family. Uh, just as a quick aside, I wish all of you ever had the opportunity to sit at the front and listen to all of your voices worshiping. It's really incredible and such a privilege uh, to get to, to be with you and to hear you as you worship the Lord. If you have a Bible, uh, please open with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 is where we will be in God's Word this morning. And the title of the sermon this morning is Remember the Gospel. Uh, before we begin, I do want to thank you. Uh, if I haven't gotten to meet you yet, my name is Nathan Coates, and I have the privilege of being married to my wife, Rebecca, and uh, we have two little girls, one who's in your children's area this morning, so thank you for, uh, for all your folks who serve in that area. Um, and uh, I serve as the Minister of Missions and Evangelism and College and Career Ministry at Southern Hills Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. And yes, I, I'm uh, Jonathan's brother-in-law, and I wish I could make a joke about my in-laws, but I can't because I married such a good family. Uh, so it's, it really is a privilege uh, to get to be a part of that clan, and, uh, and I want to thank you before we begin for allowing me to be with you this morning. Um, across American history, there have been several times where uh, a particular battle cry or rallying cry uh, made it into the pages of the history books. And you may be familiar, we'll test your, your history knowledge here this morning, in the battle uh, of the Texas Revolution against the state of Mexico at the time when Texas was becoming a nation. You remember Sam Houston led his military to victory under the battle cry, Remember what? Remember the Alamo. Remember the Alamo. Sam Houston rallied his troops by crying, Remember the Alamo. And by remembering the Alamo, the Texas military, the soldiers, they won the victory. And so my cry this morning, my plea with you this morning is something similar. My plea with you this morning is to remember the gospel. If you want to have spiritual victory in your life, you must remember the gospel. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. I will confess to you, I'm attempting to do something this morning that I cannot do on my own. What I'm attempting to do this morning, my goal is that dead people would come to life, that lost people would be saved. My desire is if you are saved, my desire is that you would have your heart stirred, your passion stirred for the glory of Jesus Christ and the message of the gospel. And I want you to know, I can't make that happen. I can't do that. I can't be articulate enough or persuasive enough to make that happen in your heart. Only the Spirit of God can make that happen in your heart through His Word. My desire is, as H.B. Charles Jr. said, my desire is that the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, would make the children of God look like the Son of God. And so, before we begin, I want to pray one more time and ask the Holy Spirit to do that, because I can't, I can't make that happen. Only He can. So let's go to the Lord once more in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that you've given us. 
to gather around your word. And Lord, I do pray, we believe in the power of the word of God. We believe in the power of the spirit of God. And so Lord, I pray in this time that cold hearts would be warmed. Lord, that lost souls would be saved. Because this gospel, as your word says, it is the power of God unto salvation. We ask these things for your glory and in your name. Amen. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There are two groups of people here this morning, and only two. There are two groups of people. First group are those of you who are not yet followers of Jesus Christ. And before I go any further, we're glad you're here. This church family is glad that you're here. Thank you for being here. We want you to know you're welcome to be in this place with us. We want you to come and hear the word of the Lord. And you may be someone who has grown up in church. You've heard the gospel a thousand times. You've lived in our Bible Belt culture long enough that you speak the language, as it were. But friend, you might be in the category of those in Matthew chapter 7 who Jesus says, one day you will say, Lord, did we not do many things in your name? And did we not in your name perform many miracles? And in your name cast out demons? And Jesus will say to you on that day, depart from me, I, I never knew you. That was my story. I grew up in church and it wasn't until I was a young man that I realized uh, it wasn't just that people, the world, had sinned against God. It was that I had sinned against God. And conversely, the joy came that it wasn't just that Jesus died for the world. It was that Jesus died for me. So that may be where you're at this morning. Still lost, but papered over with a lot of church attendance. That's the first group, is those of you who are not yet followers of Jesus Christ. And the second group are those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. You are a believer. You are saved. You are born again. You are children of the day. And I want you to know, for both groups, do you know what you need to hear this morning? You need to hear the gospel. You see, friend, you might think, well, I became a Christian already. I believe the gospel. Why do I need to hear it again? Because the Christian life is not, you hear the gospel, you believe the gospel, and then you move on to more significant things. No, friend, the Christian life is moving into a greater, deeper, and fuller application and understanding of the gospel. The gospel is not, to illustrate this for you, the gospel is not the diving board off of which you jump into the pool of Christianity. The gospel is the pool of Christianity. And so let me prove it to you. How the gospel for the believer transformed every aspect of his life. To take one example, marriage. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, Husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wives, respect your husbands. Why? Because the husband is the head of the home, even as Christ is the head of the church. So here's how this works. Husbands, You love your wives as Christ loved the church. How does that take shape? Well, for one, if you and your wife have a disagreement, you initiate reconciliation. Headship means you're responsible for initiating reconciliation. Why? Because Christ initiated reconciliation with you. 
Husband, you're the head of the home, as Christ is head of the church. You model your husbandship after Christ's husbandship, which means you initiate reconciliation. Wives, you have a responsibility too. As the church, when Christ initiated reconciliation with us, did we have a responsibility to respond? We did, didn't we? Wives, when your husband fulfills his biblical role of initiating reconciliation with you, you have the response of, of meeting him in the middle. You should respond. You see, marriage conflict between believers is fundamentally a misunderstanding and misapplication of the gospel, of gospel truth. And so by reminding ourselves of the gospel, by remembering the gospel, our marriages are transformed to represent Christ and the church. Do you see? So here's your homework for today. Your homework for today is after the sermon and you go to lunch or you go back home or wherever you're going today, I want you to think and discuss with family members or whoever, what are the other areas that the gospel transforms? Church, how you parent, work, your personal purpose in life. The gospel transforms everything, friend. Remember the gospel. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace, said this towards the end of his life. He said, Although my memory is fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. I'm going to steal that from John Newton for for our two headings today. Is that okay? (laughs) Heading number one, or point number one, is this. We are great sinners. We are great sinners. Look at the text. For the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 6, Paul is writing this letter to the church in Rome. And he is instructing them on the gospel. The book of Romans is, is the closest thing to a systematic theology that we have in the Bible. Paul is systematically explaining what the gospel is. And in Romans chapter 6, if you look back up at verse 15... Paul is making the argument and he is demonstrating for us that we are, if we are left in our sin, we are slaves to sin. And if we are in Christ, we are slaves or servants of righteousness. So Paul says, what then? Verse 15, are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. And Paul concludes his argument in verse 23 when he says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me ask you a question. Who gives you wages? Your boss, right? You go to work, you do your job, you earn your wages, right? So if the wages of sin, wages of sin, if the wages belong to sin and you are receiving those wages, that means sin is your what? Your boss. That means sin is your master. Sin is who controls you. Our culture would have us believe that Freedom means being able to sin however we like with no consequences. 
right? If it feels good, do it. And they, say, they, they cry, this is for freedom. I'm free to do these things. I'm free, I'm free. Friend, no, you're not. It's like the, the drug addict who claims that he's free to continue in his addiction. He's not free. He's a slave to that addiction. And in the same way, friend, you and I are slaves of sin. That's Paul's point. For the wages of sin is death. I've used that word a lot, sin. But what is sin? If the wages of sin is death, if sin is what separates us from God, if sin is what has caused this entire problem of the, of the problem where we are not right with God and we cannot live in proper relationship to God, we need to know what sin is. Sin. Here's how I'm defining it. Sin is any action or thought which comes from a heart which loves other things more than it loves God. I believe that's a a pretty good definition of sin because the first commandment of the Ten Commandments, does anyone remember it? You shall have no other gods before me. So God says the first of the Ten Commandments is you shall have no other gods before me. So if I love something, a different God, if I worship something before God, I have broken the first commandment, right? Do you remember when the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? What did he say? You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So if I fail to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I have sinned. Sin is any action or thought which comes from a heart that loves other things more than you love God. John Piper defines sin this way. He said, what, what is sin? Sin is the glory of God not honored. The holiness of God not reverenced. The greatness of God not admired. The power of God not praised. The truth of God not sought. The wisdom of God not esteemed. The beauty of God not treasured. The goodness of God not savored. The faithfulness of God not trusted. The promises of God not believed. The commandments of God not obeyed. The justice of God not respected. The wrath of God not feared. The grace of God not cherished. The presence of God not prized. The person of God not loved. That's what sin is. Friend, this sin, for the wages of sin is death. This is the sin which lives in all of our hearts. My second question, what is sin, is the first question. My second question is this, why are its wages death? For the wages of sin is death. What is sin? But why death? Why are the wages of sin death? God, isn't that a little extreme? 
Why can't you be more gracious, God? Why not just punishment? Why is the punishment for sin, the wages for sin, death? Two reasons I can see. Number one, because God said it would be. Genesis chapter 2 in the garden. You remember what God told Adam and Eve? He said, he told Adam, he said, you may eat of any of the trees of the garden, but if you eat of this one tree in that day, you shall surely, what? Die. You shall eat, you you can eat of any of the trees of the garden, but if you eat of this one, you will surely die. And friend, if the explanation is no further than that, then God said it would be, that would be enough for us, wouldn't it? Sometimes the answer is because I said so. But second, even further, the reason the wages of sin is death, and I think this really gets to the heart of it, is because of God's position and his character as the holy judge of creation. This is why Genesis 1-1 is so crucial to our faith. If you get rid of Genesis 1-1, then everything else doesn't matter. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If God created it, that means he's the boss of it. Yes? Amen. God is the holy judge of the universe. Isaiah chapter 6, the angels stand around in the throne room and they cry out what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Perfectly righteous, perfectly pure. No sin, no impurity, no blemishes. Such a being can't exist with sinful creatures can't exist in friendship with us. He's holy. And he's the judge. Friend, do you know that's why you're not on trial for the good things you do? You're on trial for the laws that you've broken? You say, Nathan, I haven't broken any laws. Okay, the Lord gave us a really quick, easy test. Let's walk through it. Have you ever blasphemed against the Lord? Meaning, have you ever taken the name of the Lord in vain? Have you ever told a lie? What do we call people who tell lies? Liars. Have you ever committed adultery? Jesus said if you ever look with lust on another person, you have committed adultery in your heart. Have you ever looked with lust on another person? Have you ever committed murder in your heart? Scripture tells us that if you hate a brother, you've committed murder in your heart. So if you've ever hated another person, you're guilty of murder, Scripture says. Have you ever exalted yourself above the Lord? If you've committed any of these other sins, then yes, you have, because you wanted to do what you wanted to do more than you wanted to worship God, which means you put yourself above God. Have you ever done that? Have you ever stolen anything, even answers on a test? Have you ever not honored your father or your mother? How are you doing so far? Not good. <laughs> And here's the kicker. If you think, well, Nathan, I'm not guilty of all those. Maybe I'm guilty of one or two of them. James 2.10, friend, says that if you're guilty of one, you're guilty of them all. That puts us in a very bad position, doesn't it? And so when you stand before God, he's not going to ask you, well, let's weigh out the good things that you've done, supposed good things that you've done, and let's weigh out the bad things that you've done and see which one is higher. It would be like this. It would be like if someone broke into my house and, and hurt my wife. 
Someone broke into my house and hurt my wife. And then as they were leaving, that person was arrested. And I went to court because I wanted to see justice done. And, and the judge said, so-and-so stand up. He stands up and says, you're, you're here convicted of this crime. How do you plead? And the man says, well, I'm guilty of those things. Uh, the judge says, okay, you've confessed that you're guilty. You've confessed that you've broken the law. What do you have to say for yourself? And the man says, well, judge, I, I know I broke this law, but I'm a pretty good person. You know, I, I coach Little League and I help out with VBS and, and I even take the trash out when my wife asks me to. I'm guilty of that one. How would it be if the judge said, you know what, you're right. You are a pretty good person. Go ahead. You know what? You can go free. You tell me, is that judge a good judge or a bad judge? He's a bad judge. Why? In, because he is perpetuated injustice. Friend, you're not on trial before God for the good things that you've done. You're on trial for, before God for the laws that you have broken. And the bad news for you and I is that God is a holy and righteous judge who will judge justly. That's why the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And here's a crucial question. Who has earned these wages? Who's earned these wages? All of us. Every single one of us. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 20 says, Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Even here in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 3. So if you can turn back and look at this in Romans chapter 3. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Paul says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And he wraps up his argument in Romans three twenty three. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Book of 1 John tells us if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. For all have sinned. I looked it up in the original Greek. You know what that word all, you know what it means? All. That's what it means. Every single one of us has earned these wages. So, friend, what are we to do? Praise God for Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the beauty of Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is Death, and you have earned them. But, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Don't you see, this is what happened on the cross. is all of that sin that we stored up, all the wrath of God against our sin, just holy wrath, all of that sin, all of that wrath was poured out on Jesus on the cross. Jesus went to the cross and our sin was credited to his account. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. 
Our sin was credited to his account and he paid for it on the cross. And he cried out with a loud voice when he died, it is finished. And if you put your faith in Christ, do you want to know what happens? His sin was credited, your sin was credited to his account. You know what happens when you put your faith in Christ? His righteousness is credited to you. So that when God looks at you now, he doesn't see your sin, your mistakes, your mess-ups, your failures. He sees the righteousness of Christ. This is the gift for the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's righteousness in Christ which leads to eternal life. That's the free gift. This is the gospel. This is the good news. You say, Nathan, why did you spend so much time talking about sin? Because the good news isn't good news until you understand the bad news. The bad news is we are great sinners. The good news is Christ is a great savior. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's why it's a gift. You earn wages, you receive a gift. Do you hear that? You earn wages, you receive a gift. What does that mean? It means that salvation is by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. You add your works, it's not by faith alone. You add your works, it's not a gift. It means you earned it. But it's not something you earn, it's a gift. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, By grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it is a gift. Romans chapter 3, we read 23. Go back. Romans chapter 3, Paul finishes his thought. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24, praise God for verse 24. And are justified by His grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received, how? By faith. Salvation is by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. It is the free gift of God, which means you aren't supposed to try and make yourself better before coming to Christ. He'll make you better when you get to him. And let me apply this as well. Believers, You were saved by faith alone. Which means when you're trying to reach your friends, don't try and fix them up before you bring them to God. Just bring them to God. You bring your friends to Christ. He'll he'll fix them up. If they have some sin, if they have some uh, uncouth behavior, Jesus Christ will work that out because he's been working on you for a while, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Me too. Don't try and fix your friends before bringing them to Jesus. Just bring them to Jesus. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The free gift of God is eternal life. Life. Ephesians 2, 1. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. I love the Bible. I love the word of God. It's so helpful. God has given us his word and it illustrates his truth for us. And so I want you to listen to this. This is all the way back in Ezekiel chapter 37. You don't have to turn there. You can if you'd like, but, but feel free to just listen to this story. This is the prophet Ezekiel chapter 37. 
says, the hand of the Lord was upon me. That's Ezekiel. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. So Ezekiel's having this vision. God gives Ezekiel this vision and he takes him to a valley. And on, on the surface of the valley, there's bones, skeletons. It says, it was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. Friend, that's us. We were dead skeletons. And we weren't just kind of dead. We were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Salvation comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But how shall they hear unless someone preaches? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of God, thus says the Lord God to these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and I will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. It's the gospel in the book of Ezekiel. Did you know that the whole Bible is one story that's about Jesus Christ? Did you know that? The whole Bible is one story that's about Jesus Christ. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's when when Christ called Lazarus out of the grave. Lazarus was dead for four days and he smelled bad. But Jesus said, move the stone. Lazarus, come forth. And what happened? Lazarus came out. That's us. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This salvation is in Christ alone. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus and in no one else. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, You know it, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father unless you come through me. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Peter, standing in the synagogue, said, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved. For the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, our Lord, he's a great Savior. Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friend, every word in Scripture matters. Every word in Scripture matters. One of my favorite Bible study questions is this. Why this and not that? Why this word and not that word? Couldn't Paul have said, Christ Jesus, my Lord? 
or Christ Jesus, your Lord, or Christ Jesus, the Lord. Of course he could have, and all of those would have been true statements. Nothing wrong with those statements. So why did he say Christ Jesus, our Lord? Because the Christian life is not lived in isolation. The Christian life is lived together. He's our Lord. Did you know that's why you come to church? The church is the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And to obey all of the one another commands in the New Testament, love one another, be patient with one another, be kind with one another, you have to be with one another. He's our Lord. And friend, he's Christ Jesus, this great Savior. He's Christ Jesus, our Lord. It would be awfully strange if after the service I came down and you wanted to come, come speak to me and, and get to know me a little bit, and, and you said from over, say you were back here on the other side, and you said, hey, Nathan, come here. And I started to walk towards you, and you said, Coates, stay over there. That would be weird. You said, Nathan, Nathan, come here. So I started to come over. You said, Coates, stay over there. I'm not looking for you, Coates. I want Nathan. I don't want Coates. Friend, you can't, you can't get Nathan without getting Nathan Coates, right? And you can't get Jesus as Savior without getting Jesus as Savior and Lord. He is Lord. He is Master. He is King. Friends, this is the gospel. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If this is true, what else would we give our lives to? The the text this morning, I didn't know what it was going to be. Psalm 100 Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Why? Because of the gospel. You make a joyful noise to the Lord, not because things are going well in your life, not because everything's shaping up the way you wanted it to, but because Jesus is Lord and the gospel is true. This is the rock upon which we stand. It's the rock of Christ. This is the gospel. And Lord, Lord, help us. We must become a people who remember the gospel. Do not get sidetracked in so many ancillary issues and so many side things. Those are fun to talk about, and that's good. But remember the gospel. We are a gospel people. You're going on a mission trip to Panama. Praise God. You know what you're going to do when you get there? Share the gospel. Our IMB missionaries are around the world right now. And you know what they're doing? They are proclaiming boldly that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Remember the gospel. Friend, if you are not a Christian this morning, if you are not a Christian this morning, this is what you need to hear. I'm going to go ahead and invite uh, Weston and Dakota up as we, as we move towards closing. But this is the application of the sermon. This is the application of the text. Number one, how do you respond to the gospel? You repent, which just means you turn away from your sins. You turn away from your old way of living. You turn away from thinking you have got it all figured out. And you believe. 
Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you repent and believe the gospel. And friend, if you're a Christian here this morning, I pray that your heart is reminded of why you're a Christian. So how do you respond? Rejoice. Did you know a proper application to a sermon sometimes is praise God. Rejoice and recommit. Recommit today that your life will be transformed by the power of God. Transformed by the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this time that you've given us in your word. Lord, I pray that it's not anything about me that's remembered, but Lord, it's your word and the truth of your word that is remembered. Lord, we're desperate for your Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. Lord, we love you. And we pray that you would use your word and the change that it brings for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.